You're listening to Rise and Shine, raw chats with real women in small business. We explore the wisdom, stumbles, and wins of females who are carving out their own path in the free fall of business ownership. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Welcome to this episode of Rise and Shine. I'm chatting about ethical, profitable business with Rachel Kujip, ethical marketing coach. Rachel helps people show up, sell, and serve in the way that feels good for you and is fully aligned with who you are and where you want to go. Rach, you have a ridiculously valuable mixed bag of skills as a copywriter, coach, speaker, and thought leader. So thank you for letting me wander through your brain and experiences today. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate being able to be here and share all of the things. (laughs) Cool, because I know it's going to be valuable and interesting and uplifting and just mind-opening for so many people. So that's awesome. But anyway, enough about me. Over to you. Please tell us about you and how you got to be where you are today because it's been quite a journey. Such a journey. Um, For those of you that don't know me, um, I'm a typical millennial, basically. I do like (laughs) all the things and I'm multi-passionate and I'm proud of it. So when I started off my career, like many of us do, I learned a lot of skill sets. So I started off mostly working as a marketing assistant and I've worked also as like a pizza maker. I've sold clothes. I've made coffee. I sold jewelry, done all of the things. But my corporate career started off as a marketing assistant and I had my first kind of marketing job still when I was at university. And I believe I was 19, had my own office. I brought like my first pair of suit pants and heels. sat down. I was like, um, got out my university textbook on what is marketing and went from there. And I am not afraid to say that I Google things all the time and I reread things all of the time because I think something as a typical millennial and multi-passionate individual is that because my skill sets are so vast and I'm so curious about lots of things and I'm always learning that it's totally okay if you don't have the answer and something that I've been kind of playing around with and thinking about a lot lately is like what the hell is marketing and what is my career because what I was taught to do what I thought about kind of what I learned a long time ago is still relevant to some point today, but I think the world is changing more quickly than it ever has before. And so I've been spending a lot of time literally being like, who am I and what am I doing with my life? And when I was younger in my career and I was moving up and doing, you know, marketing assistant, marketing manager, and managing departments, I never really questioned what my role was. And I still don't to a degree. Like I still think that marketing and business um, and what I do with my skill sets and how I help my clients is totally valuable. But I've been, yeah, thinking a lot about like what the role is of marketing. I think many of us don't do that. We take a lot of things for granted, what we're taught in school or in our early stages of career. We're like, yep, that's what we're going to do for the rest of our lives. And I just don't think that applies anymore. And so over the years, I've asked a lot of questions and it's got me into some really good places. And it meant that had difficult conversations and move through jobs. But now that I'm in this spot where I'm like able to 
relook at the world of marketing, my role, my business, kind of my place in the world. I am so thankful that I have all of those skill sets, had so many vast opportunities, have always questioned everything and have just never stopped learning. So I think it's a really cool place right now, particularly coming out of the pandemic, climate change, all of these changes to be like, hey, like where do we go from here? Well, <laughs> you're like, I don't know, kind of thinking existentially, career-wise, life-wise, planet-wise, it's crazy. <laughs> but it Yeah, pandemic sense. did that to me. I didn't have a lot to do in lockdown, <laughs> not going to lie. Because <laughs> oh, you're in Melbourne, right? So you had like major lockdown. Melbourne. Oh, man, yes. Um, yeah, that's amazing. And it's so true. Like the, you do all these things, you might have questions along the way, you're just kind of doing what the world says. And then you do come to a point when you're like, hang on, I don't have to do things the way that people tell you, like it's okay to stop and think and ask and find a new way that's entirely yours, like that's true to you. Yes, that's awesome to hear because we need more of that. <laughs> um, Definitely. And so when you were questioning like, what is marketing? What, what answer did you come up with? Well, I think traditionally, and I know many people listening has probably have experienced this too, and it's something that we see being taught and shown quite a lot in the online space. Because remember, you know, when I'm showing up on Instagram and I'm sharing something with you, it's normally backed by like books or research or the actual kind of university understanding of marketing. And even if People don't know that because they just learned from their coach or from someone else. It all comes back to like a few different books, a few different resources. And I also teach PR and um, business communications at universities. And doing this over the last few, few years too, where I was like teaching people, you know, where certain ideas came from. And I was like, oh my God, is that, is that really what, what was created? So as an example, I don't know if you know this, and I'm probably not going to um, speak to this 100% correctly. I'm just going from my memory. But when we're looking at like PR and like the influence that, you know, media communications PR has on people's behaviours, I don't know if you know this, but it was decided that women should smoke. So they actually started talking about cigarettes in response to like the war and politics and then got women to smoke. That's a very summarised version. But when you think about that, you're like what so some dude and it's normally middle-aged white guy decided that they needed to sell more cigarettes and so decided to start like influencing the way that we view cigarettes or the way that we view ourselves and our behaviors and what it represents and so when I was learning all of this it really also started to make me question like what it like what is marketing what is it to influence someone and how can we influence someone in a great way and not necessarily in a negative way so I think a lot of what we've been taught is to focus on the negative so like the customer or the individual is without something or not good enough or needs to change their behavior so that they will purchase a product where I'm starting to think well how can we instead see the person as a holistic individual with nuances that knows themselves and their business and their life better than anyone else who is looking to get certain results and wants to make that process like easier or more accessible or more enjoyable. And instead of trying to change someone's behavior to fit a product, 
I create a product or a service that just matches someone's behaviors and desires in the first place. So I don't want to sell cigarettes and then force or change women's perceptions of cigarettes and make them smoke. Perhaps they wanted something political or a certain statement or way that they could um, stand out and look like they're being valued, you know, maybe more masculine. I'm just riffing here. So instead you could have given them the pantsuit or something like that, which is also was used to influence to make women in the workplace. So different things like that, just thinking, hang on, if my customer or client is already the most knowledgeable, empowered person, what do they need to make things better and doing that as opposed to getting them to change who they are to fit the product, which is we see all the time, you know, you're not getting X amount of money because you aren't this or haven't thought about this. Here's my product as opposed to like, you're totally going to make that 10K month. I have no doubt, but I could share one possible way or like share some questions that will allow you to get there quicker is the way that I'm starting to think about marketing. Is it 100% kind of formulated in my brain? No, because it is a whole bunch of unlearning I have to do because this is my entire career, my entire life. And also we're seeing all the messages constantly that is actually contradicting this new approach that I want to see. So I'm constantly without even realizing it, experiencing myself these old forms of marketing and being influenced and being having to call myself out, let alone reconstruct the way I want to market and talk to my clients about the best way to support them. Yes. Wow. That's like completely. A lot, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to my brain. <laughs> well, I did ask to enter your brain and wander through it. <laughs> but it's totally different to anything that I think I've ever heard in the marketing spaces that I moved through. And it's a new way of thinking and flipping it and then flipping it again. And then like a Rubik's cube, almost like moving all the little squares around. It's incredible. And so um, do you feel like marketing is the same as influencing? Because influencing is a word that you mentioned a few times then. Yeah, I think marketing can be used to influence. So when I say influence, I think a lot of people, again, are thinking like, you know, just smoking cigarettes, you know, buying um, courses they don't need. And I think you can actually influence, persuade and, you know, encourage your clients and community in really positive ways too. We can think about, you know, certain politicians like Obama influenced a lot of policy changes as an example. And, you know, that was a good influence. We think of different like figures and thought leaders um, in all of our spaces, you know, even a coach on a soccer field can like influence and persuade players to do certain things in a good way so that they get the best out of the players. So the player can reach, you know, their full potential and reach the goals that they've actually shared with the coach they want to reach. So I think you can definitely do that in a really good way. But when you're thinking about it, you have to be thinking about what's best for the customer and client for the long term. So I think a lot of us are getting caught on those short-term quick fixes or quick wins, right? Because if you think about traditional marketing, it's like, I'm thirsty, buy a bottle of water. Yay, I've got the bottle of water, finish the bottle of water, chuck the water bottle out. So what's now happening to the water bottle? It's plastic and we're now saying, you know, you need to have, um, you know, reuse water bottles and things like that. So the quick fix, so like it solved my problem. I forgot to get water. I'm thirsty, got access to water within my price range, done, done, done. But then the long-term effects of all of this plastic that we don't know what to do with, right? So now we're trying to 
influence and persuade people's behavior to change that they carry like a reusable water bottle with them and they're reusing plastics in different water bottles and things like that. So I think that is a perfect example of traditional marketing versus new marketing where even some water companies are saying like, you don't need us, but if something happens and you really are without water, you know, or little Jimmy knocks over his sip cup and the juice goes everywhere and you need extra liquid, we, we are here. But it's changing, right, as opposed to like quench your thirst just cause. So I think we need to also kind of look externally to sort of the wider market, often for these bigger companies and our daily activities, and then take what's changing, what's learning, like what we're doing differently, I should say, and then bring it back into the online space. Because I often I think the online space is a very curated version of what's already happening. And again, whether people admit it or not, they're being influenced, they're learning from these other external things, like I said, university books, other businesses and bringing it in. And I think a lot of the time we can sit on Instagram and in our own businesses and we're just trying to influence that tiny little space in front of us, just our business and those few clients. We often get stuck. I know I have recently got super frustrated and I'm like, hang on, Instagram and my community is like a speck, you know, in this huge vast thing, I need to look externally again to start like bringing these different ideas and doing the learning. So I think when you think of it sort of that way and how you can influence, persuade well, and also understanding it makes sense to get frustrated and come up against lots of like obstacles in the online space to take a step back and be like, well, what is it that I want to learn or change or do look externally. And then just take small pieces and slowly bring it back into the online space. And you'll have in my experience with my clients do way more success. Yes. Wow, that's yeah, so cool and such a different way. As I said before, I'm still kind of digesting your your take on it, but it's it's absolute sense. It's logic and it's much more positive, as you say, and a better way to do things. I think um, it's kind of like we live in a culture where more, more, more this kind of I guess negative marketing and just pushing it onto people. That's expected and desired and yeah it's just what we're kind of attuned to so it's kind of like a trap we get sucked into as consumers and as business owners I think do you agree definitely and I know you know I'm not perfect and I fully stand by what I share here today might be not what I would share or agree with tomorrow and I think that's a really powerful decision to make because we are always learning and trying things out and testing things and I think for a lot of business owners, there is this belief that if you practice ethical marketing, so if you are trying to make long-term positive change for yourself, your business, your clients, you know, community at large, that one, you're not going to make money. Two, it's going to take so long and who's got time for that. And three, you're going to come up against like so many obstacles and it's going to be so much harder and more draining on you. And I just don't believe that that statement, you know, very blanket statement is true. It's way more nuanced than that. Um, something that I, you know, personally always struggle with. I was like, oh, I could just do X, Y, and Z. And again, I could get that quick win, that quick sale. And I know how to do it. And I know that other people are doing it. And that maybe potentially a lot of my clients and community wouldn't disagree with that maybe tactical decision. But it, went, it doesn't sort of support me, my business, my values, my purpose and everything long-term. And so I do need to sometimes spend a little bit more time considering things. Sometimes 
it does take a bit longer. Sometimes it does require a bit more resources, but most of the time it actually allows me to make more money. So more profit sustainably long-term. I've been running my business in some shape or form for over 10 years. So I can really speak to this. Like my money didn't disappear when I decided to maybe change some of my tactics. In fact, it grew. And often I'm able to make money quicker, faster, with less like resources, and it's more endurable and I get better results for my clients. This kind of belief, which we're often fed, which then supports all these other tactics, which supports the approach we've always thought about marketing. Remembering a lot of the time, it really supports the businesses that are talking about this, who are wanting to use those tactics. And so we can really get like wrapped up thinking, oh my God, if I make this change, if I don't use countdown timers, if I like I'm honest with my clients about, you know, where I'm at and uh, what I'm working on, that that's somehow going to affect my business negatively. And I really don't think that's the case. That's just another fear, another way that people are trying to influence our behavior to stick within the norm. Yeah. So can you give us, I guess, some really specific um, examples of the narratives we're fed that we don't even realize are shady maybe? Yeah, I think um, one that I've talked about quite a bit is things like the rags to riches narrative, which is very much, you see it all of the time. And I'm just going to speak to more what's called like income claim marketing. So that is only talking about how much money you're making or have made as a way to establish your expertise and your credibility. So that sort of tactic alongside the rags to riches narrative. So a story, a trope that we see rolled out in the media all of the time um, and is actually used quite a bit even in general kind of like, um, you know, dramas and books is a very standard narrative because it's quite inspirational and aspirational someone has nothing and suddenly has everything they've ever dreamed of we we love that kind of story so that is then like I said applied in the marketing space and a tactic is added on so what we have is the I had zero dollars and decided to max out my credit card and work with a coach one year later, you know, I'm earning a million dollars, have, you know, two beachfront properties, have the most loving family, you know, the best clothes. Look at me going on the holiday. I have so many clients. Like, you know, I've just made so many things out of absolutely nothing. And if I can do it, you can too. And so that really rags riches narrative is so not nuanced. Like it doesn't take into account, um, actually telling people to max out a credit card is really financially irresponsible and you're not qualified to talk to someone about their finances and what they should and shouldn't do. Just saying. It's a whole <laughs> other separate thing. But also there would have been so many steps within that to get them. If they truly have all of these things that they're saying they have, a lot of the time they don't. And so it re really is selling this idea that you need to risk it all, take a risk, be financially irresponsible, to follow their exact pathway so you can get all of these results you want. And even if I did that, even if I maxed out my credit card today and followed a coach's exact steps, the likelihood of me having everything that she has is just not true. So she could uh, have had a safety net, different family members um, live in the city, not live, you know, out in the country. She could look a certain way, you know, not have... 
um, be living with a mental illness, anything like that, but they're not talking about that. And so that's a huge one for me. And there's so many different things to unpack in that. But I would recommend for people who are just starting to explore this idea of ethical marketing or like me, you know, questioning who they are and what they're doing in the world to be noticing when you see certain stories or narratives or tactics used um, in the same way over and over and to be thinking to yourself, how does this make me feel? Where have I seen this before? What do I think the outcome is for the individual sharing the story? What do I think that they want me to do or think or feel after reading that? And often these kind of stories is making us feel shame because we don't have certain things, fear because we want certain things. We don't know if they're available to us. It really activates a natural response in our human brain which is things like scarcity a sense of belonging we've always wanted those and there's nothing wrong with those feelings but they're being hijacked by these narratives and stories and they're really kind of like digging their like fingers into us and making us feel like sad and upset and cringe and then presenting themselves as the answer or presenting their narrative as a narrative that we should follow and aspire to too and like I said often because it's not nuanced, we try and attempt those things and it doesn't feel good to us or we don't achieve it. And then again, the narrative is laid over the top. You mustn't have had the right mindset. You clearly didn't want this enough. You didn't work hard enough. So it's always these like layering of narratives and tactics is the easiest way for me to describe it. And so if each time you're kind of feeling sad or upset or frustrated or bringing it really back on yourself, I'm not good enough, I haven't done this, know that that's actually capitalism and often the patriarchy narratives being fed back to you and we're told to internalise a lot of it. Um, so I know there's a lot to kind of go through with that. Happy to chat about any more specifically, but it's those kind of things that we don't even realise we're experiencing because it's all around us. And so it takes you a while, like I said, to kind of be like, hang on, this is the sixth coach or you know the 20th business owner who writes copy that I've heard use this exact phrase or this narrative alongside this tactic and I felt crap every time why is that and then exploring that again without judgment knowing that everything you're feeling is valid and true and that you're not doing anything wrong it's just the system itself is um, creating these and you're experiencing them mm, I can totally relate I remember there was a time a few years ago when I followed a business coach um, and I feel like they were kind of just selling a coaching program that had been sold to them and sold to them, you know, just keeps going higher and higher. And I felt like this pressure, you know, from their emails and their social content to jump on it and then create my own course or a membership. And that's not something I've ever had a goal of doing, but following this person and seeing this thrown all the time that this is how you make money you need to be hustling you need to create this it made me feel like oh I'm inadequate and I'm not doing the right thing I'm not doing business the right way but then and I had all those feelings you talked about and you know angst about it and then I'm like that's not actually for me and that's not <laughs> what I want to be doing I'm just being fed that and allowing myself to be fed that and of course algorithms the more you pay attention to those kind of that kind of content the more that the algorithm feeds you that so yeah it's like you get sucked in <laughs> you have to pull yourself down so bad step yeah. back and say this is 
is this me? Do I feel, as you said, do I feel good about this? Is this right for who I want to work with? Is this going to take me where I want to go? It's like, I don't know, like the sticky virus. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people too, because, and again, I'm, I'm sharing this, like no judgment to you, to anyone listening. I've been, um, you know, I've perpetuated these narratives without and tactics without realizing it. I have, you know, fallen victim to them too. There's no judgment here at all because it, everyone is working within this system, like every single person. And like I said, it's really hard to like see, you know, when the matrix, you know, matrix ends, like you can't, you can't tell. And so I think for a lot of people, particularly in the online business space, is that many of us don't have formal training in how to run a business, in things like marketing, you know, accounting, branding, et cetera. You know, we're really great at our skill set and people come to us for that. And that's what we use to start our businesses. But then once we get to a certain point, you know, we want to make more money, perhaps have more time off off with family, support clients in different ways. We start going, okay, I need to change something, do things differently, learn a new skill. And that's, I know for me anyway, when I started to lean into some of these narratives that are being shared all the time. And I didn't realize it at the time either, because again, like you, I was just getting told everywhere that I needed a course that I couldn't possibly, you know, achieve some of the financial goals, you know, the time goals, you know, the type of team I wanted, unless I had a course. And when you see it everywhere, and that's what everyone's talking about, you really feel like an idiot. And again, that's unethical marketing because I was literally sitting here being like, but I'm a marketing professional. Like, this is what I've done my, like, and I've got a business degree. This is what I've done my whole life. And even I was like, do I not know something? Am I stupid? Oh my God. Like, why haven't I got a course already? I should have done that six months ago. Like, I was like, oh my God. And I launched a course and I did it my own way. And it was actually a really successful course, um, you know, now recently retired, but I, d- I don't regret the experience. But I was like, that business model really wasn't right for me yet that's what I kept on being told I had to do so it's so easy to fall into it I think because a lot of us aren't experiencing that even people like me who are when the narrative is just same same everywhere and you can't find anyone who's sharing something different you really do start to say like internalize and believe it's not true and I think for many people running businesses they don't actually want to run the business that they're running they just think that's the only way to get the types of results, success they want. So they've convinced themselves that that's fine because they they do get the rewards and they're rewarded for perhaps using unethical tactics, perhaps having like a course and membership when really they want to like, you know, service-based, whatever it is. I don't, but this is just from working with hundreds of women and speaking and teaching, you know, over 3,000 people, um, it's probably more than that now, that most people aren't running the business they want. They're just running the business they think they need to have to get the results that they have or want. And that makes me so, so sad. And like I said, I fall victim to it. Don't trust myself, question myself weekly and daily. And now I'm just better at being like, hey, why are you thinking this? Oh yeah, because you have your period and you're tired and you had a bad day. That's why you think you need to blow up everything and do something different. And then I wake up the next day, I'm like, ah, no, I don't. Um, And I like, I hold on that action and I just let those thoughts come through and flow back out. But um, yeah, it's something that I, again, have realized recently, which has made me want to not have the answers because no one has all the answers, but to start asking the questions and to start sharing the questions and the thoughts I'm having openly in the hope 
that together we can find the answers and answers that feel good to us because I don't also think that me just telling you now that you shouldn't do X or you should think this is any better than anyone else who's telling you you have to do something or have a certain income to be successful. I just want to ask like interesting thought-provoking questions and support you to get your own kind of answer and knowing that that answer can change at any time and that is also okay. Mm. And you're totally doing that, sharing those questions and those thoughts and Thank pushing you. us and challenging us. <laughs> so I guess it might be helpful for my audience to understand, like, how can making, making profit and ethics and selling, how can they coexist and even help your business grow? I think it's such a good question. Like I said, we really have been fed these narratives that that isn't the case. So. When you think about ethics, no one can tell you what your ethics should be. I think there are human universal ethics, things like, um, I'm just going to like say some really bold statements, you know, slavery is wrong. Those kind of things I think we all can agree with. There's, you know, history, there's academics. We, we all agree with those. And I think there are a lot of um, online things that we can agree with. Like you should never force someone to sign up to a program or work with you if, you know, it's not something that they want to do. However, then it starts to get pretty gray in the middle because everyone's ethics are different. The way that we form our ethics are different. So there's universal standards that I think the majority of us, of us would agree, but then our ethics are based on like values, life experiences, um, you know, religion, where we grew up, all of those are kind of nuanced. And I can't tell you what your ethics should be. And like the same, you can't tell me what my ethics should be. So you need to do that work yourself, which I think for a lot of us is like hard and tricky. And we've never been asked to sit down and be like, what are your values? What are your ethics? But I think you need to think about what am I willing to do and what I am not willing to do to get a certain result. So if I want to make 10K this month. Again, I'm using income because it's a really tangible example. And I think it's the one that we hear all the time. So I want to make 10K this month. Am I willing to create extended payment plans, a 12-month payment plan, just so I can get people to sign up knowing that they might have financial insecurity and might not be able to pay the full amount? So I'm going to offer the 12-month payment plan. But because a lot of them are going to default and that costs me money, I'm also going to add a price increase. If you pay me in full, it's $5,000 for my program. If you don't pay me in full and you pay a month, it's $6,000. So for a lot of people, this is the standard business model. I've also participated in this to a degree, um, but that's how a lot of business owners make money. And so their way of thinking about it is like, well, I have this incredible offer. I know it's going to help this person. It's really great. Um, I'm actually doing them a favor because I'm offering them payment plans, but Hey, I've got to like cover myself too, right? Like I'm offering them a favor, but I can't like lose out on this favor, right? Cause it's not, that's not fair either. So that's what they do. So they add price to the person who pays over 12 months actually ends up paying more than the person who has all of the cash in the bank right now. Some people would say that's fine. I personally don't believe that's fine. So one, why am I um, privileging someone who's currently got the cash in the bank versus someone who doesn't? Also, a lot of us like to pay things monthly because it's just better for cash flow. 
you know, I don't know everyone's circumstances, but also perhaps if people don't have the financial means to invest in a certain program or offering at a certain price point that I think is fair, then maybe I should be working with people who are at that price point or are more established or do have other things in place that allow them to. Like I don't need to be working with anyone and just capturing any money. So I have a funny feeling the person who truly can't afford it and is super stretching probably won't get as much out of it as the person who does have the cash flow and the program is perfect for. So I ethically would not do that approach. I would just say, you know the price, you can totally come in whenever you want. You can even pay a small deposit now, which I do in my coaching program to save your spot over the next six months. So you definitely have a coaching spot because mine will fill up quite quickly, but you don't need to pay the rest until you come in the program. You can save up. You know, you can have a small um, payment plan, but I'm not going to do an extended one because it's not good for you um, or for me. And so that's the type of kind of decision-making and things that you need to be thinking about when it comes to like ethics, sales and profit. No one can tell you what is right and wrong. And I certainly don't tell my clients. I just offer questions, advice, but that's the type of things that we're seeing happen all of the time. And I think, you know, then that business owner will get on and be like, I had a 10 K month or I just made 150,000 Australian dollars with one launch. Yay. But it's not actually, again, doing that nuance. How many people are doing payment plans? How many people are going to default? How, you know, how much marketing and sales and team that they needed to pay for to get those clients, you know, do they actually do unethical things to get them like pestering the clients, doing ads, countdown timers, um, upsells and again there is nothing wrong with these tactics these tactics aren't inherently good or evil it's the way we use them the thinking behind that so that's why it gets really gray and I can never give you a like a definite answer in anything because these are purely my perceptions and my kind of thinking and stuff but there isn't like there is ethics is human sort of rights type stuff I think we all agree on then this was standard sort of ethics starts to get grayer and then the tactics aren't good or evil, but how they're used alongside ethics can really get different results. So you can come out with the same money, but how you got there is very different. And that's the type of narrative I think we should be leaning in, talking about ourselves, because for a lot of us, like I said, we are able to make just as much money, but how we make it is what I want to be talking about because yeah, if I had to spend $90,000 on ads to make a $100,000 sale, did I really did I really have a successful launch? Maybe not. If I had to, like I said, have all of those extended payments to get the sale, did I have a successful launch? Am I doing the right thing by my clients and customers? Maybe not. Hmm. So that's the key, how you're using those tactics in conjunction with your ethics. Yeah. And Rach, I wanted to ask as well before I know it's just well, we still have a bit of time. Um, one of the ways that you help people is to step into their power is by helping them claim their expertise. I certainly don't feel like an expert. Um, I know other people would say that I am in my field, but I guess it's a lot about mindset, I imagine. But you tell us, like, how do you help people claim their expertise? I think it's such a great question. I think it actually works really well to ethics and marketing too, because if you truly don't see yourself as an expert that's when you think about it. if you ever bought a course or a program or like I said you know when I was explaining you know I was at a new stage of my business I didn't trust myself 
to make a decision on my business model. I went looking to others to tell me what was the best process or systems or things to do, right? To do courses when I really should have listened to myself, my skill sets, what I know to be true. So I think for many of us, because we're in the business space, we didn't necessarily sign up to be business owners and to run a business. We sign up to do our thing and use our gift to help others, right? And then all of this other stuff comes along with it. And with that, it's like, I don't know who I am. I don't know how to run a business. Should I be doing X, Y, and Z? So I think for a lot of us, if we truly believe we aren't an expert and there is lots to unpack there, perhaps it is ideas of like self-worth, perhaps our perception of what an expert is needs to change. A lot of us feel like we need degrees or certain qualifications. So lots of my clients are in a cycle of always getting another qualification. I'm all for learning and being curious, as you know, but you don't need to have qualification after qualification if you actually stay within your zone of genius, you know what you can and can't do and you don't need to fake it till you make it. Mm. And I think also <laughs> a lot a lot that comes up is that sort of the online business space is telling us we need to be doing more, being more, doing different things. And so when all of that is being fed to us, we're like, who the hell am I to like help anyone? <laughs> um, which I, like I said, I think about on a daily basis too. I'm like, who the hell am I to like, say x y and z so i'm i'm feeling these things right here with you and so when it comes to claiming your expertise i truly believe you already have like all of the knowledge skill sets like experiences unique life experiences that you need to serve show up and sell to your clients like right now and if you truly are honest with yourself about what you want to be doing where your genius lies what you can and can't do how you want to run your business then you don't need to be worried about doing the wrong thing, lying to a client and trying to figure it out, overcharging, all of those kind of things that I think also kind of fall into this idea of claiming expertise, like what should I charge? And we start, again, looking to others to kind of validate us. I don't think we should be using external validation to make us feel worthy and to claim our expertise. I think we need to do some internal validation first that's what I support my clients to do to know that they've got this and to find different ways to demonstrate that perhaps writing out a list of all the things that they've achieved in their business looking at all the beautiful like testimonials and case studies that our clients give us um, on a bad day like look at all the amazing things I'm doing looking at all the different opportunities that you've been able to create for yourself all of the great things that are in a pipeline and using that as evidence to back up that you do have everything you need that you can do what you want um, and claim that expertise. And like I said, it falls into the ethical marketing, excuse me, because when you don't believe that you start looking to others and that's when you often, again, there is no judgment here. You start emulating others. You start taking what other people were seeing and doing and using that. And then often for a lot of my clients, not only have they not claimed their own expertise, they started to water it down. They're not actually sure what their expertise is anymore or what their values are or the services because they've simply taken bits and bobs of other people and put it together mm -hmm. instead of really creating from you first. So everything that I teach is always about creating, building, thinking and creating strategy from you first. And then we look at like your clients, your offerings, all of that. And the part that looking at your first is claiming expertise, ethics, values, the type of business model you want to run. And from there we go outwards. So I think it's really powerful to be like, I am an expert. I got this. 
I know what feels good and doesn't feel good from my own experiences when I sell and market. I know what my clients want because they tell me. Like I'm going to like listen and use what's in front of me to take the next step. I don't have to see the entire path. I just need to see the next step and I, I can see it and I'm going to take it and then I'm going to go from there. Yes, I am so that person who's just looking to the next step and that's enough. I don't need to have it all mapped out for the next 12 months. I'm okay with what I've got, where I am, my thinking, my positioning, and yeah, the next step is enough. <laughs> and I think it's important for others to understand that and to give themselves permission to be okay with that because, again, what the business world is telling you is a whole lot of bullshit, <laughs> mostly. Yes, it often is BS that most of us don't want or it's just really for and against thinking. You need X amount of money. No, you don't need to make any money. Um, I'm pretty sure all of us need to make some money because that's what being in a business is about. But like I said, how we make it, how much we need to make, how our business model supports us, the types of client, that is all up to you to decide and your business can look however you want. But yeah, following this sort of for and against, you basically you'll always find the answer you want on the internet. I do know what I'm doing, great. I'll find everyone to validate that. I don't know what I'm doing, great. Everyone's just told me that I need to be doing X, Y, and Z. So remember that, right? Because like you said, perfect before H, like the internet will feed you what you're already searching for. So remember that um, is probably one of the key takeaways from this. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling, thinking, wanting to do something differently, and it seems like the world is telling you to do something different or making you question yourself, know that it's an algorithm and to take a step back and again, do that internal validation, not external validation. Yes. I always keep coming like no matter how many conversations I have with other business owners about anything in business, pretty much, it always keeps coming back to me that the truth is inside, <laughs> you know. It is. It sounds so corny, but it's true. It like, is. It really is true. In, in so many situations, you are your best guide, like in terms of your values and what's right for you, what feels right, what brings you joy, your ethics, like all those things. It honestly comes back to you and knowing yourself and knowing what's true for you. So Yeah, and unfortunately you can't buy that. I mean, you can come <laughs> in my coaching program. And I'll just throw it back in your face lovingly because I have clients who be like, well, tell me what my values are. I was like, I don't know. And I just, and I'm like, honest, it's like, I have no idea. This is what I could guess from what you shared with me, but you're going to have to do the work and I will lovingly hold the space for you to do the work without judgment. But we can't, no matter, I just wish we could. Honestly, I wish I could just pay someone to like, give me all the answers. Like I would pay all of the money in the world for anything in life. Right. But that's, that's the real truth to it, that online business likes to tell you that you can pay someone else to do the work for you and you truly can't do this work. You cannot. Values are, like, su- are such hard things to art- articulate, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it's always like shifting and changing. And, again, it doesn't need to be perfect. So then if, you know, perfection's come, perfectionism's coming up here for you, know that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I said, I literally started off this interview with you with, I don't know who I am or what I'm doing with my life. And I like say that jokingly, but I mean it. Like I'm I'm not perfect. I'm always questioning and changing. And I think a lot of people actually really love that because again, the business space is so curated and everyone is so perfect and knows exactly what they're doing, having the best life. And so if you can share in a way it feels good and obviously you don't have to with your clients, some of these thoughts and feelings and stuff, like I said before, again, that will work really well with your ethics because you're a human being and people want to, 
engage with and buy from human beings now more than ever. So you need to lean into that humanity. And like you said, if you really listen to what's right for you and how you feel, that humanity piece is going to give you the answers to pretty much most of the questions you're asking. And then it comes down to like, cool, I know what I want, but how do I get there? Then you can invest in like a copywriter, designer, a coach that can give you different options of how it might look and how you could possibly step it out, hopefully with some personalization. So you're not being um, prescribed. Here's what I've done. What This is what's going to work for you kind of thing. Cause that's not true. But once you kind of know your plan, then I would recommend going out to get someone to help you how to get there, not trying to give this whole plan to someone else and have them do it for you. Success is, and probably defining that success with your clients is a theme in your work. But what does success look like for you personally, Rach? How do you define it? I, again, asking that question a lot, like, yes, for the pandemic. Um <laughs> I think for me, success, again, is how I do things and how I feel about how I do things. So, you know, when I relaunched my, when I launched my new coaching program, just made the decision the next day, like retired everything, all of my other programs, courses, and just launched my one-on-one, which is now a six-month coaching program. I never felt so elated except the day that I quit my day job and went all in my business. So I just knew it just, it felt so good. And I was like, this is me. This is truly me. I know the rest of the business world, particularly someone with my level of experience in business and marketing and copywriting is being told that they need to create all these programs and systems and stackable offers. And here I am being like, nope, there's only one way to work with me. But I just knew that it was like the right thing. And it felt so good. And I really just honored that feeling. So things like that is what I'm focusing on that success for me. And then it ended up um, filling out in like 72 hours and I had to increase places twice more than they filled out, which was so good. And I was like doubting myself the whole time. I was like, I'm an idiot. Who does this? And again, that voice was coming up because the world is like, this is, no one does this. I mean, obviously some people have, but most people don't do this. Yeah. I just really lent into that feeling. So for me, success at the moment is, um, being able to really filter things, but I'm being told to me, giving my space to learn, self like learn, really no judgment for like exploration and joy and leading into that feeling. And success for me is financial security. I'm not going to lie. I think um, that for a lot of us is really important. It's also the level of service and care that I can provide my clients, which has gone through the roof even more now with this type of program. I just love it. And I know that it works so well for my clients. So their success is a really important factor to me. And then also just the type of business model I'm having. Like I really want to keep mine really like lean and agile and really simple because I believe that a lot of the business space is overcomplicating things. I just want to do one thing really well in my business so that I have the freedom to explore other things because I am multi-passionate and I'm doing a whole bunch of other stuff outside of this, um, you know, business space. So that's kind of like success for me at the moment, what I'm focusing on. And sometimes it changes, but they're the kind of main things. Wow. I've never heard anyone define their success so articulately or so so expansively. (laughs) I love the bit about how that you said that's what it looks like for me at the moment because your success and your idea of it 
it's allowed to change and what's yes successful right now might not be what successful two years ago or in four months it's fluid and that's again okay and people have permission to change the definition of success yes. you don't have to lock permission yourself to in. do everything yeah yes, exactly um what's the worst mistake you've made in your business you talked about worst like, mistake yeah you said like think- one of the most successful I want to know the opposite <laughs> Um, I think not, it's a repeated mistake. And again, it it goes into everything that we have talked about today. It's not trusting myself every Mm. single freaking time. And (laughs) there are are multiple reasons why, which means I can really relate. Like, you know, I keep sharing because I'm honestly having all of these feelings too. Like, uh, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I doing this? decision I've ever made while also feeling really good about making decisions but it's not it's not trusting myself like not trusting that I should just double down on one-on-one offers and instead exploring courses which again I think I I had a fantastic course when people said so paying like a a course provider five thousand dollars to teach me how to do it and yes I needed some of the sort of tech implementations the course is one of like the the worst things I've ever done. Like it, it wasn't aligned to me. It wasn't delivered well. It was terrible. And I was like, that's 5,000 Australian dollars. And at the time that was like the most I'd spent on coaching or services or anything like that. So for me, each time it's just not trusting that I know what's best and like looking to others or being like, oh, maybe I should, should try that. Or maybe I will learn something this in course. So this, my rule this year is I'm, I'm still working with my coach. Um, but I'm not doing any courses, programs, downloading any free resources, guides. Nah, I got this and I'm, I'm going to follow what feels good to me. And of course, if something came up that I truly needed, I would go get that. But th- that's because I really, the changing of my coaching programs and offers last year in September, this was the thing that I also wanted to like counteract. Like, no, I'm not going to let anyone convince me otherwise. And I am about to unfollow a whole bunch of peers and competitors and everything like that not because they're right or wrong but because I don't need that information to trigger that response in me like I said when I'm having a bad day or something like that so that's that's a continuous mistake um, that I've made and people would say well you learned from it sometimes you just got to do things a couple of times before it really sinks in so there was some you know, experimental time use. There was some money given. Um, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, but I, f- I think I'm, I feel really good now about the business I want to run and what I want to do. Cool. Sounds like you're in a wonderful place at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I actually feel really good. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. If you could go back to the you that's just starting out in your business all those years ago, what would you say to her? that you should follow where the opportunities flow. So I think a lot of us resist the opportunities in front of us. I'm guilty of this. Many of my clients are and community too. So perfect example, I need to spend more money and time in social media so I get more leads. I was like, but why? You've got a really great referral strategy. But I need to spend more time on, I'm like, but why? And then like, do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're really sort of like being sold these different ideas of where we should spend time, money, what we should be doing. Again, the theme of this episode. And so I would tell myself like go where the opportunities 
are flowing. And I did do that. I do do that quite good. It's something I teach my clients quite a bit, um, but even more so, um, you know, for a while there, I wasn't getting to teach and speak and write because of the pandemic. And I really realized that that's what I, that's where a lot of my opportunities would come from and they would flow and all the things that I need to do to allow me to have those come to me. And I wasn't able to, or didn't sort of do that. You know, I wasn't going out meeting people, things like that everything dried up and the pressure to just perform online was horrible and still is it's not a place I want to be all the time um and so for a lot of my clients and for the you know younger me you know I was told I should do x y and z and so now I'm like no go where it feels good and the opportunity as soon as I get out and meet people I get a corporate client as soon as I get featured in an article I get like a you know, a deal to be like featured in an anthology. Like I just know that I should just go what feels good in the opportunities and then everything else flows from that. Yes, I am with you. That is wonderful advice and so true for anyone at any point in their business, I think. They could apply that to themselves. So, Rach, where can we go to hang out with you, find more of you, get your download, work with you, all that stuff? Amazing. Yes, the best place to go would be my website rachelpridgett.com.au from there you can come hang out with me on instagram i always love a dm conversation so feel free to dm me i will actually reply you can send me emojis and all of that kind of stuff if you want to learn some more of my like tips um, and advice around like ethical marketing you can check out my podcast the rachel kujup show and working with me is my um, six-month coaching program. Again, you can go to my website to book a call or email me if that is your preferred way of chatting. Or you can, again, just hit me up in the DMs and we can go from there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing your experience with us, Rach. No worries. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Legend. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Head to your podcast player, leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.